Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Warth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. God is good all the time. I want to, uh, first of all, I'm excited we're going to go to Samoa in 2024. I want some of y'all to go with us. And if you can't go with us, I encourage you to be a part of that Zoom just to hear out ways you may be able to help uh, with this missions trip. There's different ways that you'll be able to help out. Uh, but get involved. Someone say get involved. I want to invite you uh, this afternoon here to turn to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 10 is what we're going to look at as a foundational uh, verse this afternoon. And as you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4 and 5, if you've been with us for the last several Sundays, you know that we have opened up the new year teaching uh, from the general subject of spiritual warfare. Uh, we have been teaching about spiritual warfare uh, because we want to equip you uh, to be able to win more battles in 2023. Uh, I want you to experience some victories in 2023. So we're teaching about this subject, this broad subject of spiritual uh, uh, warfare. And we learn that there is an invisible war going on. Whether you realize it or not, there's a war going on. There's a war. There's an invisible war going on. Whether you're engaged in it or not, there's a spiritual war going on. And if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't know how to affect the invisible spiritual realm, um, then you are basically useless in this war in the spirit. If you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you don't know how to affect uh, the spiritual realm and the invisible realm, then uh, we are sitting ducks in this spiritual realm. Or battle. So I don't want you to be a victim no longer. Uh, I don't want the enemy coming and having his way with you no longer. So we're equipping uh, the church uh, in regards to spiritual warfare so that we can start making the devil run out of our lives. Someone shout amen. So in the last several weeks, we've learned uh, about various open doors to demonic activity. That um, there's doors that we could open that causes or leads towards more uh, demonic influence in our life. We've learned about strongholds that uh, demons set up in our minds. And today I want to go a little bit farther on the uh, subject of strongholds. I want us to relook at uh, what strongholds are, and I want to take us a little bit farther on this subject of strongholds. Now, 
As we turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, remember that it was the Apostle Paul who wrote this letter to the church in the city of Corinth. And remember that in the middle of the city of Corinth, uh, there was a large hill with a fortress on top of it. And this fortress was surrounded by high walls that protected it and defended it. And scholars believe uh, that Paul, when he wrote this letter about strongholds that he pulled from the picture of that fortress to use this word stronghold. In fact, in another translation, um, it uses the word fortress for this word stronghold. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verses 4. Uh, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Someone say power. Power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive. Someone say captive. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Now, as we uh, journey further into this subject of strongholds, let me remind you of a couple of things that we've already learned. Uh, first of all, uh, spiritual warfare is less a power struggle and more a truth struggle. That's one of the things we learned uh, last Sunday. I want to bring it back to our reflection today that spiritual warfare is less a power struggle and more a truth struggle. What do we mean by that? Well, we mean that Jesus already defeated Satan through his life, death, and resurrection from the grave that we are actually fighting a defeated foe. We are fighting a defeated foe. Jesus already defeated Satan and uh, the kingdom of darkness. And the Bible is clear on this. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures that teaches on this is Acts 10.38. Listen to what it says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Someone say power. How he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. What a powerful scripture that teaches us about the power of Jesus to overcome the power of Satan. And that, in fact, that's why Jesus came. We learned last week that Jesus was manifested to destroy the power of Satan. So when you study his life in Matthews, Mark, Luke, and John, you learn that Jesus went around everywhere, and the Bible says he healed all who were under the power of Satan. And we thank God that Jesus is still demonstrating his power today. We thank God that we're part of a church that believes that the power of God is still available to, to overturn the power of darkness. How many believe that today? 
that the power of God still heals, that the power of God still delivers. And we believe that the Bible teaches that Jesus is displaying his power through his church. He's displaying his power through you and I who are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. That if we line up our life with the kingdom of God, if we line up our life with Jesus, he will funnel his power through our life and we will be an instrument of how he brings deliverance and healing to a broken world. I was driving down the street last week and I got a phone call from a mother and she was asking if we had church service that night, and I told her yes. And she went on to share how her daughter is suffering from uh, suicidal thoughts and how uh, the mother was at our revival last October. And so it was fascinating to me, I began to praise God, uh, that when she realized her daughter was struggling with the powers of darkness, she immediately thought of Chapel of Change because somehow she experienced the power right here through this church. And so you need to know where to go when you need power. You need to know where, you, where to go when you need power. You need to know where to go when your daughter needs power. You need to know where to go when your son needs a demonstration of the power of God. And for some reason, God has his hand on Chapel of Change. Someone shout amen. So we are fighting a defeated foe. We're fighting a defeated foe. Now... That begs the question, if Jesus defeated Satan, then why are there so many defeated Christians in this world? If Jesus defeated Satan already, then why are there so many Christians living a defeated lifestyle? If Jesus defeated Satan, then why or how does he get to us? The Bible says that as believers, we have the armor of God. We have the helmet of salvation. We have the belt of truth. We have the shoes of the gospel. We have the shield of faith. Uh, we have the sword of the spirit. If we have the armor of God, then how in the world is a defeated foe getting into our lives? Got to think about that tonight. Or this afternoon. And here is the answer. Satan penetrates our armor with lies. He penetrates our armor with lies. Satan's biggest weapon is a lie. Satan's most effective weapon against the body of Christ is a lie. Satan's most powerful weapon by which he uses to get to your marriage or get to your daughter or get to your son or get to your home or get to your career is a lie. He uses lies to penetrate our armor to hold us in bondage. Is anybody following along? So Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Didn't he say that? Anybody believe in that in the house today? Well, let me, let me flip that around. If the truth sets you free, 
then a lie holds you back. If the truth sets you free, then a lie entangles us. Are you following along? If, a, if the truth sets us free, then a lie shackles us. Shackles us. Uh, you don't have to answer this, but I wonder how many of you have ever been shackled. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I know how it feels to be shackled. I've been shackled before. Don't ask me why. But I've been shackled. I've been shackled at the wrist. I've been shackled at the waist. And I've been shackled at my ankles. And I know if you're new here, you're probably tripping out, but just follow along with me. But I've been shackled before. Have you... You know how to walk when you're shackled? You know how one walks when they're shackled? Very little. You know how one defends themselves when they're shackled? You can't. I was attacked when I was shackled. You know how I defended myself when I was shackled? I couldn't. Because when you're shackled, you don't have flexibility. When you're shackled, you don't have movement. You can't move. You can't run. You can't defend yourself. And what the enemy does is he tricks us into being shackled so we can't defend ourselves when he attacks us. There's so many Christians, so many Christians that they're born again, their name is registered in heaven, but they're shackled and they're not living out God's call for their life because they fell for a lie. My brothers and sisters, demons attack the truth in our lives to build strongholds in our minds. Demons attack the truth in our lives to build strongholds in our minds. That's why Paul says in verse 5, he says, We destroy every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. What does it come against? It comes against the knowledge of God. What is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is the truth about you, the truth about God, the truth about life. And so what does the enemy do? He attacks the truth to keep us shackled. That's why the enemy fights so hard to keep you from church. Because every time you come to church, you get a dose of the truth of God. That's why the enemy tries to fight hard to keep you from discipleship groups. Why? Because every time you go to a discipleship group, you're getting a dose of the truth of God. So the enemy fights hard to keep us from the truth. And so demons, they whisper lies in our ears about God, about ourselves, and about others. They whisper lies in our ears about God. They say, oh, God is not going to forgive you. God is not going to accept you. God is not going to bless you. And they whisper lies in, in, our, in our minds uh, uh, about ourselves. They say, oh, you messed up one too many times. Oh, you're a failure. Oh, you're too old. Oh, you're too young. Oh, you're not qualified. They whisper lies about God, ourselves, and even others. They whisper lies to me about my wife. Oh, she, uh, whatever it may be. They whisper lies about your spouse, and next thing you know, you arguing over something that don't even exist. I'm trying to pull the covers on the enemy today. Demons whisper lies, and listen, if you accept the lies, what they do 
is they build strongholds in our minds. The lies build strongholds in our minds that affect our lives. Strongholds. That's what the lies do. That's what the stronghold is. It is layers of lies built up in our mind that affect our decisions, that affect the way we respond to life, that affect the way we engage and navigate through life. That's why Apostle Paul says in verse 5, he says, The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for, for the pulling down of strongholds. The pulling down, the pulling down. If you have to pull down something, that means it's over you. If you got to pull it down, that means it's over you. So many Christians, they're saved, but they got strongholds in their life that is messing up their relationships, messing up the way they work, messing up uh, the way they navigate through life. Have you ever wondered how you could be delivered from a demon, but that demon's still messing up your life? Have you ever wondered how you could be delivered, but your life is still messed up? It's because you never dealt with the strongholds that were in your mind. Delivered, saved, but still messed up. Never dealt with the strongholds in our minds. And so, to help us understand this a little bit, a picture or a material picture of a stronghold um, is the city of Jericho... In the Old Testament, in Joshua chapter 6, for those who are not familiar with the story, the children of Israel were delivered from Egyptian slavery, and God promised them to inherit the promised land. But as they enter into the promised land, they faced their first biggest obstacle, which was the city of Jericho. And they needed to conquer the city of Jericho in order to inherit the promised land. But the problem was the city of Jericho was defended and protected by large walls that that were built around the city. The walls protected and defended um, the city of Jericho in so much that nobody can go in and nobody can come out. They were giant walls that didn't let nobody in. It's a picture of a stronghold, emotional stronghold in our mind. Have you ever tried to communicate with somebody and they just couldn't get what you were trying to say? Don't look at your spouse. Have you ever tried to communicate with somebody and you said it? You said it three times. You slowed down. You wrote it on a piece of paper. You drew it out, right, with boxes and O's, and they still didn't get it. Probably because there's a stronghold built up in their mind that is keeping the truth out. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? So that city of Jericho is an earthly picture of an emotional stronghold. So let me help us to understand a little bit more. What are strongholds? Here here are some definitions. A stronghold is a fortress of lies built in our minds that produce bad decisions. It's a fortress of minds, or lies, built in our minds that produce bad decisions. See, while you were in disobedience or while you had your guard down, the enemy came in and he put layer upon layer of lies in your mind 
that are now affecting the decisions you make. It's a fortress of lies built in our minds that produces bad decisions. A stronghold is an unhealthy mindset that keeps one in the cycle of bondage. It's an unhealthy mindset that keeps one in the cycle of bondage. So have you ever heard somebody get excited because they got delivered from something? Maybe they got delivered from pornography. Maybe they got delivered from alcohol and they were excited about it. But three months later, they're back at square one in the same bondage that they testified they were free from. Have you ever seen that in somebody's life? The problem was they dealt with the devil, but they didn't deal with the stronghold that the devil left behind. They got rid of the devil, but they never destroyed the stronghold. So they started making decisions and looking through life through that stronghold, and it messed them up until they ended back up on square one. I'm, I'm trying to pull the covers off of how the enemy works in our life. You could be delivered from the devil, but still held captive by the stronghold. What is a stronghold? It's a lie, a misconception. Or an exaggeration. That's big. That's what the enemy uses, especially between husband and wife. Exaggeration. Firmly planted in our minds that hinders us. It's a lie, misconception, or exaggeration. See, what I'm trying to teach us is that Satan seeks to influence our thinking. Satan, when we had our guard down, set up sophisticated fortresses of unhealthy thinking in our minds. And our mindset is very, very critical. Everything flows out of our mindset. Your mindset affects the way you respond. It, it affects the way you feel. It affects the way you make decisions. Your mindset is critical. Everything is affected by your mindset. Did you notice that Paul says we take into captivity every thought? He didn't say we take into captivity every behavior. He said we take into captivity every thought. Why? Because your behavior follows your thought life. Your mindset is critical. Your mindset is like that thermostat on the wall. Your mindset is like that thermostat. The, the, the temperature rises and falls to the degree that thermostat is set. The temperature rises and falls to the degree that thermostat is set. It's the same with your life. Your life rises and falls to the degree your mind is set. If you have a mindset of lust, anger, suspicion, or skepticism, then your life will eventually reflect lust, anger, suspicion, and skepticism because everything flows from our thought life. That's why he says, take captive your thoughts, not necessarily your behavior. Let's take captive your thoughts. So listen, we don't defeat Satan because he's a defeated foe, but what we do defeat are the thoughts lies that he throws at us we don't defeat satan we defeat the lies that he hits us we need to learn how to discern the lies when they come knocking on our door the fiery darts that he shoots are lies they're misconceptions they're exaggerations and when you think of stronghold 
there are many uh, different emotional strongholds. There are many different emotional strongholds. And as we learned last Sunday, God does not destroy them all at one time. If he destroyed all the strongholds in your mind at one time, you would melt down. You would go berserk. But we learn that the destruction of strongholds in our mind happen over time. You think of Jericho, the walls did not come tumbling down in one moment. It was a supernatural process where they had to march around the walls. Listen, doors are shut in a moment, but strongholds are torn down over time. That's why you got to be committed to one church. That's why you got to be committed to Bible study. That's why you got to be committed to prayer, committed to fasting, committed to worship, because your commitment will affect the renewal of your mind. Someone shout amen. So today I want to just identify one uh, stronghold that I believe is prevalent. In many people's lives. Like if we hit this one stronghold, it'll be a domino effect to a, a lot of other strongholds. Are you ready for this? So the stronghold I want to identify today is the stronghold of insecurity. Insecurity. Man, this is such a prevalent emotional stronghold in the lives of people of God. Insecurity. Especially if you're a leader, especially if you're a dreamer. Insecurity. What is insecurity? Let me give you some definition. Insecurity is the lie that you are incomplete. It's the lie that you are incomplete. Um, insecurity is the lie that you lack what it takes. Insecurity is the lie that you are not good enough. Now, let me just give you this disclaimer. When I talk about insecurity and I talk about these lies, I'm talking primarily to born-again Christians uh, that are called by God. Because if you're outside of Jesus, we are not complete. Outside of Jesus, we are not good enough. Outside of Jesus, we are messed up. Would everybody, under, would everybody agree with that, right? Outside of Jesus, we are incomplete. Outside of Jesus, we are messed up. So I'm talking about Christians today. I'm talking about people that are bought with the blood of Jesus, that are sealed, uh, uh, renewed, redeemed, clean, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. If you've been called by God, you are complete in Christ Jesus. If you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, Jesus, you are valuable uh, in the sight of God. If your name is written in heaven, you are somebody in this world. Are you picking what I'm putting down? So I'm, I'm talking about Christians. When you think about insecurity, it is the lie that you're inadequate, the lie that you're incomplete. It's the lie that you lack what it takes. It's the lie that you're not good enough. Has anybody ever been overwhelmed by these thoughts? Has anybody ever been overwhelmed by these feelings? Have you ever faced an opportunity or a, a challenge and you felt inadequate, inadequate to get the job done? 
Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody and you felt like you were not good enough for that individual? Those are symptoms of the stronghold of insecurity. And we need to learn how to identify that in our life. We can't be in denial. We got to identify insecurity. And then we got to learn how to slay insecurity and tear that stronghold down. Someone shout amen. Because insecurity left unchecked will mess you up. It'll have you marry the wrong person. Insecurity will get you to marry the wrong person. Insecurity will get you to uh, get the wrong job. Insecurity will have you having sex outside of marriage because you can't wait for God to do his work in your life. Insecurity will mess up your entire life. It'll have you in a perpetual state of hesitation. People that are insecure, they don't seize what God is trying to get them to seize. They're in a perpetual state of doubt and, and, and hesitation. So it's important. It's important that we identify it. It's important that we slay it. It's important that we, we, we are committed to the process of pulling it down. Are, is anybody following along? So demons, they whisper these phrases of insecurity in our ears and they try to get us to act on these emotions of insecurity and the first thing that I want us to understand is that you're not the only one struggling with insecurity first thing I want us to understand is you're not the only one that has ever had to deal with the stronghold of insecurity. Many people of God in the Bible either bowed down uh, in a sinful way to insecurity or they learned how to slay insecurity. Many people in the Bible, you're not the only one. I think about Adam and Eve were the first to bow down to insecurity. Remember when God created them in the image and likeness of God? Remember when the Lord God Almighty gave them power and dominion? You remember what Satan comes along and says to the serpent? He says, he says, if you eat of this fruit, you will be like God. What is he telling them? He's telling them, you're not complete. You're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. So if you do what I say, you will be like God. You will be complete. And so they disobey. What do they do after they disobey, after they eat of that fruit of disobedience? You know what the first thing that they do is they grab for leaves to cover themselves. What are they doing by grabbing the leaves? They're, they're reaching outside of the will of God, and they're trying to pull something close to them because they think that that thing will make them whole. They think that that thing will complete them. So they reach out of the will of God, and they pull something to thinking that it's going to make them whole. But it's a lie. It's a lie. You'll, if you succumb to insecurity, if you never get right with God, you're going to be reaching all your life. You're going to be reaching for her and reaching for him, reaching for that and reaching for that. You're going to be spinning your head, reaching at everything, trying to get something to make you feel complete. That's what Adam and Eve did. And then when God came down to fellowship with them, the Bible says that they hid from God. 
They hid from God. And God says, what's going on? You're tripping. Why are you hiding from me? You've never hid from me before. What's going on? You know what their answer was? They said, we were afraid. In other words, we were insecure. We were insecure, so we had to reach for the leaves. We were insecure, so we had to hide from God. We were insecure. And you know what God's response to them was in Genesis chapter 3? Listen to the response to God. He tells them, who told you that? Who told you that? What? In other words, insecurity has a voice. Insecurity has a voice. And it whispers into our ears so that we could open up the door and it can set up shop in our minds. It tells us we're incomplete. It tells us we lack what it takes. It tells us we're not good enough. Many people in the Bible wrestled with insecurity. Adam and Eve bowed down to insecurity. Moses wrestled with insecurity. Moses felt inadequate for God's assignment upon uh, his life. God called Moses to be a deliverer. And Moses made so many excuses that he could not fulfill what God was calling him to do. Moses made so many excuses of why he wasn't qualified. Listen to what he says to God in Exodus chapter 4 verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh Lord. I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, even though you called me, even though you saved me and delivered me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. What is that? It's a revelation, a revealing of insecurity, trying to shackle him up from the calling of God. It's insecurity. By the way, by the way, it is the calling of God that qualifies you, not your qualifications that give you a calling. Some of y'all get that later. It is the calling of God that qualifies you to do what he's called you to do, not your qualifications. I don't care if you got a GED. I don't care if you got a high school diploma, seminary degree. Your qualifications do not give you a call from God. It is the call of God that qualifies you. If he called me, I can get it done. If he knocked on my door, I can do it. It's God that called me. Why am I here? Why am I here? Because God called me to be here. Moses wrestled with insecurity. Gideon wrestled with insecurity. God called Gideon to be a deliverer. And listen to how this brother responded. In Judges chapter 6, it says, he said to him, please, Lord. My brother's begging. Please, Lord, how can I save Israel Behold, my family is the weakest in Manasseh. This brother threw his family underneath the bus. Insecurity will have you throw your family underneath the bus. 
He said, my family is the weakest and I'm the least in my father's house. Insecurity will have you throw people up underneath the bus just because you feel afraid to do what God has called you to do. Don't blame it on your mom. Don't blame it on your dad. If God has called you to do it, you can get it done. Gideon wrestled with insecurity. Isaiah wrestled with insecurity. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 5, listen to how he responded. He said to God, I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And I live amongst the people with filthy lips. That brother said, I cuss too much. He said, I can't do what you called me to do, God, because I cuss too much. Don't you know, Isaiah, God has a solution for them cuss words? If God called you, he knows exactly what your hang-up is. He knew where you come from. He knows what's hanging you up, but he still called you anyways because he got a solution for whatever is hanging you up. He can give you power to overcome them cuss words, but he wrestles with insecurity. Jeremiah wrestled with insecurity. God called Jeremiah to speak for him. And Jeremiah, that brother gets religious on God. He gets sanctimonious. And that brother said in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 6, he said, Oh, sovereign Lord. He got sanctimonious. I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. Too young, God. I, I hear you calling me, but I'm just... I'm too young to do what you asked me to do. You know what he was saying by saying he was too young? He was saying he was inadequate for the job. He was saying he was not prepared for the job. He was not mature enough for the job. He said he don't have what it takes. He's not good enough for the jobs. He, he wrestled with insecurity and left unchecked, left unchecked that insecurity would have sabotaged his destiny. If left unchecked, that insecurity would have sabotaged uh, Jeremiah's destiny. By the way, by the way, why did insecurity hit them anyways? Why did insecurity hit Moses? Why did insecurity hit Isaiah? I'll tell you why. Because God revealed to them his calling. God revealed to them God's purpose for their life. And they saw the purpose of God and they saw the plan of God. And so insecurity immediately swoops in and tries to shackle them from fulfilling their calling in their life. Moses wrestled with insecurity. Isaiah wrestled with insecurity. Gideon wrestled with insecurity. Jeremiah wrestled with insecurity. Even Tank wrestles with insecurity. Anybody remember who Tank is? Tank is not a prophet. He's not like Moses. He's not like Isaiah. Uh, but Tank is my, my dog. I want to show you a picture of him a couple years ago. This is Tank about three years, two years ago, and he's a German shepherd. And one of the reasons why I, I got Tank, one of the main reasons why I got Tank, other than fulfilling a childhood dream, um, but they told me, they said, the salesman said, this dog right here, he comes from royalty. He's a purebred German Shepherd. And his dad, they pointed me to his dad. His dad looked like a lion. His dad's name was Max. Max short for Maximilian. And 
They said, look at it. This is his dad right there. And, 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 and uh, Max, he was astute. He was strong. He was like a gladiator. And then, then they looked on the wall and they said, listen, I want you to, sh- I want you to see his, his grandfather is a show dog. He was the best show dog. He won awards. And his, and his granddad was like royalty. You know how them dogs be taking pictures stiff and they look regal and all like that? And, and, and Tank's granddad was a show dog. He, was, he won best dog of the year. And I was like, whoo, man, I want that dog. I want that dog. So I got Tank. I got Tank, brought him into my house, right? Introduced him to my kids right there. And then I learned they actually have dog beaches. <laughs> they, they got dog beaches. And I found a dog beach in Orange County. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take my regal dog uh, with my family to the dog beach, I'm gonna put them on a leash and I'm gonna like walk by the water like the movies. You know what I mean? I'm gonna, I'm gonna show off my dog because this guy is cut from royalty and, and he's a regal dog. So I, I got Tank, I got my kids, put them in the car, and we went all the way to the beach and I got, I, I opened the door to, to my truck, I let Tank down, I put on the collar, I put on the rope, and I said, Man, I'm about to walk down the beach like the movies and all of a sudden tank started barking at everybody all of a sudden tank started snipping at everybody all of a sudden tank started jumping around and he wouldn't sit down and when instead of swimming in the water he started to drink the water the brother started to drink the ocean, and he was barking at everybody, and I was so embarrassed. Everybody was on the beach was looking at me because this dog couldn't control himself. He kept barking, and he kept snipping at people. And so that night, I said, man, I was duped. Something's up. Something, something's going on. So I went, I, I went on Google, and I said, man, what's wrong with my dog? And the Google said, a dog that barks a lot is afflicted with insecurity. I said, ooh, a dog that barks a lot, a dog that snips a lot is inflicted with insecurity. Sounds like some people I know. <laughs> so, so we all wrestle with insecurity. Specifically, if you're a leader or a dreamer, you're going to have to learn how to slay insecurity. Especially if you're a mover and shaker in the kingdom of God. Let me remind you that the kingdom of God is like a giant mansion with a lot of rooms and different floors on it. And each room has aspects of God's plan for your life. Uh, One room may have joy. Another room have peace. Another one has your marriage or your family on it. And as you open each door and explore God's calling for your life, you're going to be hit with insecurity. And especially if you find the elevator in the kingdom of God and you go to the next level in the kingdom of God, as soon as that door opens, you're going to be hit with insecurity. And you need to learn how to not listen to the voices. You need to learn how to pull down that stronghold. You need to learn how to, how to slay insecurity because until the Lord Jesus calls us back, if you're a leader or if you're a dreamer, if you keep going to the next level in the kingdom of God, you're going to have to slay it at every level.
You're going to have to slay it at every level. I was interviewed this week um, for a very special ministry opportunity. And they sent an interviewer to ask me a bunch of questions about this ministry uh, opportunity. And it was actually uh, a psychologist was straight interviewing me. And he asked me a series of questions. And then he came to the spot where he said, if you get this opportunity, what do you think will be your biggest fear? What's your biggest fear if you get this opportunity? And, and I didn't even have to think about it. I mean, it just flew out of me. I mean, it just, I didn't even have to think. All of a sudden, I just answered real fast. And I said, well, my biggest fear would be that I would not be accepted as a leader. I didn't even think about it. I, I didn't even have to ponder about it. It just came out automatically. And I began to think afterwards. I said, my goodness, my goodness. I've been serving the Lord for 30 years. I've been helping to build the kingdom of God for 30 years. I preach in front of thousands of people. I've been on national TV. And I'm still having to slay insecurity. I'm still having to wrestle with what other people think about me. No, 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 no. The only voice I should be concerned about is with God's voice in my life. The only approval that I should be concerned about is God's approval in my life. If God approves me, then I should be able to walk through any door that is before me. Someone shout amen. So demons want you to operate from insecurity, but God wants you to operate from your new identity. Demons want you to operate from insecurity, want you to Engage in your marriage off of insecurity. Want you to work off of insecurity. Want you to go to school uh, off of insecurity. God wants you to operate from your new identity. Jesus purchased for each and every one of you a new identity at the cross. When he died for you, Jesus purchased a new identity for everyone when he died on the cross. The cross is the place of accomplishment for the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that package of salvation that he offers to everybody is a new identity. In the moment that you repent from your sins and you accept Jesus Christ into your life, in that very moment, God gives you a new identity. That very moment. It don't come later on. It don't come the next day. It don't come in the mail. It don't come by Amazon. That very moment, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you receive salvation. God gives you a new identity. And now it is your responsibility to cultivate that new identity and live out of that new identity. You cultivate that identity and you live out of that new identity. You don't live out of in, uh, insecurity. You live out of your new identity. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter 6, verse 7. He said, wherefore, we therefore were buried with him. That's the old life. That's right there is your disqualified self. 
That right there is your sinful self. That right there is your broken self. He said, we therefore were buried with Jesus. That's your past. That's your sinful past. It is buried with Jesus. Now listen, through baptism into death, in order that, get this, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may walk, get this, in newness of life. In newness of life. You don't walk around with the old lifestyle. You don't walk around with your old pattern of thinking. No, you walk out of your life through your new identity in Christ Jesus. Now it is your responsibility as a disciple to cultivate that new identity. It's your uh, responsibility as a disciple to build from that new identity, to develop that new identity. The Bible says that we are to pull, pull down the strongholds. Jesus is not going to pull down the stronghold for you. He's going to give you the power. He's going to give you the equipment. He's going to give you the weapons. But you got to pick it up and you got to pull it down yourself in the name of Jesus. And one way we do it is by cultivating our new identity. Identity. What does that mean? Well, as you drive to work, you better start declaring who you are in Christ Jesus. As you go shopping, you better start declaring who you are in Christ Jesus. You better start thinking or, or demonstrating rhythms of confession of God's word, of what he declared over you. I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in, in the world. I'm blessed and highly favored by God. I am new man in Christ Jesus. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm wall-to-wall -wall Holy Spirit. The favor of God is upon me. What am I doing? I'm cultivating my new identity. That's how you begin to tear down the stronghold of insecurity. Now, as I Begin to wrap this up. What are some of the differences between living out of insecurity and living out of your new identity? Insecurity is into titles. Identity is into towels. Remember Jesus carried a towel? He said, I came not to be served, but to serve. Insecurity is jealous. Identity is joyful. Insecurity lives out of labels people put on them. Identity lives out of God's declarations over them. Insecurity hides from God. Identity hides in God. When I first started serving the Lord, I had to learn real fast to slay insecurity. Had to learn how to slay it. Not only was I young, I was about 17 years old when I started to serve the Lord, but my life was messed up. I was a convicted murderer, and the devil was whispering. He wasn't even whispering. He was yelling in my ear that I was nothing, that my life was ruined, that I'll never be nothing, that I was a failure in life. He was screaming that in my ear. And one of my go-to verses that I learned to slay uh, insecurity with was Colossians chapter 3, verse 3. Listen to what it says. For you died. 
That's the old self. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Man, I'm in Christ now. I'm in God now. Insecurity always feels abandoned. Identity walks in the power of adoption. See, insecurity always feels rejected, always feels abandoned. Identity walks in the power of adoption, that we're no longer orphans walking around aimlessly with no plan or purpose for our life, but we are now sons and daughters of the Most High God with power and blessing upon our life. I'm no longer an orphan no more. I'm not a stranger. I'm part of the family of God. That's the power of adoption right there. I cultivate that in my spirit. I'm not an orphan. Insecurity looks to the bathroom mirror for who they are. Identity looks to the mirror of God's word for who they are. So my challenge for us is to stop accepting the lies of demons. My challenge for us, my brothers and sisters, is let's start engaging in this spiritual warfare and stop signing off on the lies of the enemy. Stop signing off. Stop laying down in the midst of the spiritual warfare. Stop avoiding this spiritual warfare. Stop acting like it's not happening. And get up and stand up and push back against the lies with the truth of God's word. Listen, if he hasn't already, the devil's coming. If he hasn't already, them demons are coming, and they're going to tell you a lie. They're going to tell you a lie. They're going to tell you a lie about God. They're going to say God will not forgive you. They're going to say that God will not accept you. They're going to say that God uh, will not bless you anymore because you used up his blessings already. They're going to come, and they're going to tell you a lie about God. They're also going to come, and they're going to tell you a lie about yourself. They're going to tell you that you're no good. They're going to tell you that you're a bad father. They're going to tell you that you're a bad mother. They're going to tell you that you're a father, a bad father or a failure. They're going to tell you that you're too old. You wasted your life. You already did your best years already behind you. They're going to tell you that you're too young. You're too stupid. You're too dumb. It's time to push back against the lies of Satan. They're going to tell you a lie about your life. They're going to say you're never going to get it right. You're never going to find a good job. You're never going to find a good husband. You're never going to find a good wife. They're going to tell you about a lie about your life. I'm going to tell you something else. They're going to tell you a lie about Chapel of Change. They're going to tell you a lie. I'm going to tell you something else. I'm going to take you even deeper. They're going to tell you a lie about me. If they haven't already. They're going to whisper. They're going to say, Oh, he doesn't shake your hand, so he don't like you. They're going to whisper and say, oh, he never talks to you, so he don't like you. I need to leave this church. They're going to tell you a lie. They're going to tell you a lie about God. They're going to tell you a lie about your life. They're going to tell you a lie about one another. If you're serving in this church, they're going to tell you a lie about your team. They're going to tell you a lie about your leader. And it's time that we resist the lies of the enemy. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me remind you. Let me remind you. Everything that is true 
is not the truth. Everything that is true is not the truth. You, 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 you may have messed up. That's true. But it's not the truth about you. You may have blown your opportunity. That's, that's true. But it's not the truth about you. You may have got fired. You may have got fired. That's a true. You're not going to deny. That's true. You're not going to lie. But it's not the truth about you. We believe that the truth about us comes from the living word of God. It's what God says about us that is the truth about us. Not what we did, not what happened to us, but what God says. That's how conniving the devil is because he'll tell you a true but leave out the truth. Oh, some of y'all get that later. By the way, by the way, when the Bible says take captive every thought, take captive every thought, that word captive, it's a combination of two words. Um, that word captive, it's a, a combination of two words. And let me, let, me, let me teach you what this means. It means to conquer and sword. Take captive every thought. That word captive is a combination of two words. It's the combination of conquer and sword. And the picture of that word captive is a soldier with a sword in the back of a prisoner of war and they directing that prisoner of war wherever they want him to go. That's a picture of that word, take captive every thought. It's a picture of a soldier with a sword in the back of a prisoner of war, and he directs them wherever he goes. It's a picture, it's a picture of a sword. It means to conquer with a sword. Listen, does that remind you of anything? The Bible teaches Ephesians that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. The Bible teaches that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is our offensive weapon. And every time the enemy tries to attack your mind with a lie, you need to pull out that sword. You need to put it in the back of that lie. And you say, not today, devil. Not today in my marriage. Not today in my mind. You got to get out of here in the name of Jesus. Not today. Some of you are to pull out your sword. This is spiritual warfare. My prayer for you is to start resisting those voices of lies. Let's bow our heads in the presence of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed. I want us to think about what God was telling us this afternoon. Hallelujah. And I want you to think about if you've been struggling with the stronghold of insecurity. If you've been struggling with the stronghold of insecurity, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. I want to start the process of tearing down that stronghold. With everybody in an atmosphere of reverence unto the Lord and, and reflection and meditation. If you're one that is struggling with the emotional stronghold of insecurity. I want to pray for you. I want to pray that you 
start the process of pulling it down. If that's you, I want you to respond to God just by standing up right where you're at. Just stand up right where you're at. And I'm going to call up Pastor Laura as you're going to lead in prayer. And I want us to pray. I want us to start the process in the name of Jesus to start tearing down the walls of insecurity that have been built up in our minds. If through the preaching of God's word you recognize that you've been a victim of insecurity, stand up on your feet and, and be prepared to start the process, the demolition process that is going to start right now by the power of the Holy Spirit because the shackles are going to come off. The shackles are starting to come off. You're going to be unshackled today and you're going to be able to be who God has called you to be. The shackles coming off there coming on. And I would invite you to lift up your hands in the Lord as an outward sign of being receptive to what he's going to do. Lift up your hands into the Lord as Pastor Laura just prays over them in the name of Jesus. Begin to tear down them strongholds. Go ahead and pray over them. Father, we come before you and we acknowledge God that We've been fighting against the spirit of insecurity. We acknowledge that we've tried to find security in our own strength, ability, power. But today, God, we declare that our confidence and our security and our assurance comes only through you. Today, God, we agree that it is you who works in us and through us, both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. So like Moses, I will submit. Like Jeremiah, I will say yes. I will not bow down to insecurity anymore, but I will keep my eyes on you. And I will declare that yes, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, today that you are bringing light in the midst of darkness, opening my eyes to see the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about who I am in you. In Jesus' name, we come against the devil and his works of darkness. In Jesus' name, we come out of agreement with the lies of the devil. In Jesus' name, we stand on the truth of God's word. In Jesus' name, we declare according to John 8, 36, that I will know the truth personally and intimately, and that truth in God's word will set me free. I thank you, Lord, that I can see with spiritual eyes those chains being broken in Jesus' name around my ankles, around my waist, around my wrist. Chains being broken. Chains being broken. Chains being broken. We come against every chain with the word of God in Jesus' name.
Father, we thank you, Lord God, that your word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you, Lord God, that your word is like the sword of the Spirit. It is the sword of the Spirit, and it comes to break and demolish every stronghold in our lives. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, with the authority in this house under Pastor Brian, we come against your stronghold, that spirit of yes, insecurity Lord. in the name of Jesus, and we break it in the spirit realm. We break it in the spirit realm. We declare freedom in the spirit realm. We declare you free and released from that chain that once bound you in Jesus' name. And we just declare the word of God over you. We declare, beloved, we, we declare, daughter, we declare, son, we declare love, we declare truth, we speak it, and we release it over your life. And Father, we ask God that you would walk with each person, even as they leave this place today, that you would walk with them hand in hand as a father and child. And be with them and lead them and guide them and protect their mind and remind them who they are in you. That they would no longer fall for the lie of the devil, but that they would wear the belt of truth and know who you are. And we release this over you even now in the name of Jesus. We declare and we pray, amen. And amen. 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 Hallelujah. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I get the sense that there is someone here who is wrestling with uh, a blown opportunity. Uh, you're wrestling with that you may be too late to follow God or too late to do something. It may be too late. You, someone here maybe feel like you lost or, or, or you missed your season on something. And so you're tempted to think what the heck or what, you know, I might as well throw in the towel. And God is telling you this afternoon, it is not too late. It is not too late. It is not too late that God can lift you up. God can rise you up. God can re invent or recreate any scenario uh, that needs to be recreated so don't feel like it is too late don't feel like you lost your season because God is the creator of all seasons and he can bring that season back he can bring a better season back he can bring a better opportunity back God is saying to trust him even in the way you feel don't feel abandoned don't feel rejected but trust him because whatever you feel like you lost was just preparation for what he's about to do in your life. He had to get you a place to be faithful. He had to give you to a place where you would not leave him even though you felt abandoned to prepare you for what he has coming for you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone praise the Lord in here. Amen. Did you learn something today? 
Anybody learn something? Praise God. We are going to uh, transition to respond to the Lord uh, through a sacrifice, through a financial sacrifice. We're going to give people an opportunity uh, to give back to the Lord, to demonstrate our gratitude and gratefulness for all that God has been doing in your life. Has God answered anybody's prayers lately? Has God answered anybody's prayers lately? Come on, somebody. Has God done something for somebody here lately? Amen. I want to remind you of a verse that I'm bringing up in the month of January. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, that we are to honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of all your harvest. Someone say first fruit. In other words, God says, I want you to honor me off the top. Off the top. Like when I, God's, in other words, God's saying, when I bless you, we're talking about particularly financially or, or it could be other things too, but when I bless you, don't wait a month to bless me back. That's what God is saying. When I bless you, bless me back off the top. That's what God is saying. And he says, I want you to bring a first fruit sacrifice from whatever I have blessed you with. And then the scripture gives the what will happen. He says, then your barns will be filled with plenty. Can you imagine that? God says, if you give away, I will fill you up. If you give a first fruit, I will fill you up. He said, then your barns will be filled with plenty and, and your vats will overflow with new wine. You know what that symbolizes? That symbolizes fresh power, fresh presence of the Lord, fresh anointing upon your life. And it's triggered, it's one way that it's triggered into our life is, is by sacrificing unto the Lord. That's one way we position ourselves for a fresh touch, a fresh uh, touch of his power. So I'm challenging the church in the month of January. It could be today. It could be one of the Sundays of the month of January. Bring a first fruit sacrifice unto the Lord. That's between you and God, whatever it is. You just evaluate how God has blessed you. And from that blessing, bring a first fruit sacrifice unto the Lord. And I'm believing that as we put God first in our finances, he will orchestrate the rest of our year in our favor uh, to the glory of God. So I encourage you, church, give a first fruit sacrifice sometime this month. I want to call the ushers up forward as we prepare to give couple announcements to make. There's several ways you can give. You can give through an envelope today. Um, you can give uh, through a debit card after service. Uh, you can Go to the back there and give through a debit card. You can give online at chapelofchange.org. If you're watching online and this ministry has blessed you, if this worship and word has blessed you and you want to give back to God, go to chapelofchange.org and give to the Lord that way. Or you can scan to give. Let's put the scan here. This is a good way to give. You put your photo from your phone on there, and then it takes you directly to the link whereby you can give uh, to the Lord couple announcements to make. We are looking for people to serve 
on the host team at our 1230 service once a month, either an usher or a greeter. We're looking for people to help out with that. If you can do that, sign up in the back. We're looking for people that will serve in operations, that will welcome the cars as they come. If you want to help out once a month, you can do that. We're looking for people to serve in the children's ministry once a month. God is blessing us with a lot of kids, and we need help to be able to facilitate the kids to learn about Jesus. So I encourage you uh, to participate in that. Also, we are praying to do something different this Easter, and I'm going to let you know in advance. Typically, we have about a million services on Easter weekend. Easter is a, a, a big window to reach our family members with the gospel. This year, we're going to do something different. We're planning. We're praying to do. We're only going to have two services. We're going to have our 6 a.m. sunrise service here in the parking lot, which is always a special time. But we're also looking to rent the Carson Civic Center that has a room with about 900 people uh, inside of it. And we're looking to bring all our campuses together to have one big giant celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we're looking to do that and to reach more souls. One of the reasons why I'm sharing that with you is because if you want to help cover uh, the expenses of renting the Civic Center, and there's a bunch of different pieces to that. There's the sound, there's equipment, but in the next couple months, as the Lord blesses you, if you want to give to that project, amen, just give extra and during our tithes and offerings, and we'll make sure that all the expenses are covered for that, so keep that in mind. Also, don't forget February 4th is our annual Women's Abide conference all the women in the house uh, this is our annual conference where hundreds of ladies from across southern california will converge uh, on our paramount campus and we have some powerful dynamic spirit-filled anointed preachers that day our very own pastor laura is going to be preaching and prophesying and praying that day in the name of jesus and we have uh, Pastor Kathy, who is an anointed minister of God. She's a general in the kingdom of God. And she, she presses into deliverance and inner healing. So it's going to be a powerful time in the Lord. Start telling your friends about it. Bring a carload of ladies that day. Also, I want to remind you, we have membership seminar coming up in a couple weeks. If you want to explore becoming a member, sign up in the back. I encourage you to take this class. And then we have baptism water baptism happening in a couple weeks if you have not been water baptized sign up in the back what we're going to do is pray over the offering we're going to collect the offering and i'll come back and dismiss with a blessing so let's pray father we thank you for the ability to give we worship you through our giving receive these funds in jesus name amen let's give unto the lord
Let's stand to our feet. Before we close out, we want to call Sister Queenie up to the stage. Sister Queenie, come up to the stage. Sister Queenie is our worship director for our entire church. Her and her family have been a gift to Chapel of Change. Her dad and mom gave her to us. <laughs> and it is her birthday today. And so we want to honor her and we want to sing her a happy birthday. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to lead and sing a happy birthday. But before we do that, Sister Queenie, we want to thank you and thank your family for blessing the movement of God at Chapel of Change. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your heart for the Lord. You always lead with a wonderful uh, spirit. And we pray that the Lord give you back 10 times what you have given to the kingdom of God through your kids, through your marriage. Amen. Thank you so much. We love you. We love you and your family. So we're going we're gonna to pray over her. But we're going to sing over her first, amen? And then we're going to pray over her. So, so somebody got to help me out. Ready? On the count of three. One, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Come on. Happy birthday, dear Queenie. Let's, let's, let's lift up our hands towards Queenie, and as I bless her, I'm going to turn around and simultaneously bless the congregation in dismissal. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this wonderful servant of yours. She has given her life, she's given her heart, she's given her family unto you. And Lord, she is such a gift to the world, particularly to Chaplet Change. And we thank you for her. We thank you for her heart. We thank you for her work, Father God. And we pray, we pray a blessing over her life this year. You know exactly what she needs, Father God. I just pray, Lord, I just take the liberty to pray in the mighty name of Jesus for a double blessing upon her life, Father God, in Jesus' name. Bless her mind, bless her body, bless her finances, bless her family, bless her marriage, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. Now let me bless you in the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Spirit who empowers you with favor, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Go in peace. If you need extra prayer.